Good afternoon, Joe Keyport, the news director for Q Media Group, WCMP and KBEK, coming at you with a new show on both of those stations. It's the untitled news show because currently we don't have a title and uh, we're not the creative types. I give you the news every day. I'm not supposed to be clever. And so uh, every Friday from 3 to 5 from here on out, you'll be hearing updates uh, from myself. Uh, we'll be bringing in reporter for KBEK and KBEK news person extraordinaire, Eric Van Rainen to talk about what's going on in Kennebec, Sherburne, Isanti, um, and Aiken counties and Mille Lacs counties as well. We'll have Ethan Game Day Gilman be stopping on by uh, during the second hour to talk about what's going on in high school sports. Kind of give you that kind of peak behind the curtain talking about things that have been going on throughout the season, that kind of color and that uh, extra spice that maybe you don't get during the sports updates on the morning show and the uh, day-to-day sports updates. So here in this hour, it's going to be mostly focusing on the news that ran on WCMP. So we'll do a couple segments after this. We'll be talking about stuff like probation in Pine County, some fire contracts as well with the Pine City Fire Department, as well as a law enforcement thing that happened over in Hinkley. Uh, We'll be talking in KBEK. We'll be talking about the big fire that happened in Bram earlier this week. I was out at the scene. We had Eric here at the studio working on getting information out, talking with all of the big community players to make sure uh, that things run smoothly after the loss of that building. Plus, we'll be talking about some things that happened near the city of Princeton as well. A little later this hour, I'll have a couple interviews to air as we'll be talking to some key community members. One of them is Chris Moulton, who is the clerk for the Snake River Valley Conservation Club. They have their fundraising fishing derby next weekend, so I talked to him a little bit about the club and what will be going on over on Pakegama Lake. And then uh, earlier this week, I chatted with State Senator Jason Rarick for District 11. Uh, The 2023 legislative session kicked off just a few weeks ago, and so we got an overview into kind of what's been going on over the last two weeks, as well as some things that Senator Rarick kind of are looking towards. So expect conversations like that every Friday as we'll be kind of really working to make sure you hear from people, whether it's state senators or some interviews that we had during the week that were in the news. We really want to just provide a vehicle that you can hear some more humanity and some more personality that you don't really get during those two-minute news updates that air between 6 a.m. and 10 p.m., as well as maybe some of the stuff Ethan can't get into during his morning show sports updates and the sports updates that run two times during the day. So coming up in just a little bit, we'll be talking about what's going on in Pine County and the surrounding areas for the news that ran on WCMP. So stick around. We'll be right back. Joe Keyport back here for the Untitled News Show as we are looking at the news that ran on WCMP between Monday and Thursday this week. The big story and the one that I was kind of focused on came from the first Pine County Board meeting of the year, and it was one of the few actual resolutions they passed beyond the more organizational stuff that made sure the Pine County Board could function and continue to make decisions for the year of 2023. And that was that the County Board uh, passed a resolution directing the state and more asking the state uh, to re-examine its funding for probation at the county level. So the state of Minnesota calculates probation through one of three ways. And the second way is how Pine County does it. It's the CPO, county provides misdemeanor, juvenile, and pretrial supervision, and the state provides adult probation. And what is supposed to happen and is what was directed by uh, Terry Fawcett was the state should be providing around 50% of the funding for probation here at the county level. According to Fawcett and the things that were directed in 2021, Pine County only got 26%. So if you do the math on that, 
So they only got a half of the funding that they are allocated by state statute. And so were you thinking, well, how does that make up? Because obviously probation needs to be funded here in Pine County. And as Fawcett told me during an interview last Friday, it falls on the residents. It falls on the taxpayer. And so, you know, that's what contributes to tax levy and, you know, in order to pay for good, sound correctional services within the county. And so you hear that and you think, well, how are they get away with it? And how is that still being done, despite the fact that there is supposed to be some state statute directing the legislation to do that? Terry is wondering the same question as well. That's the question of the day, Joe. Um, we've asked that. Yeah, you know, in our, our lobbyists, our organizations, we continue to ask that question. Um, you know, some Department of Corrections, um, you know, upper echelon people told me in the past that, no, it didn't say that. It said up to. I said, no, that's not what the statute says. You know, there's another statute out there, for example, relative to bail studies that you, you should get $25 reimbursement back from the state for every bail study that you conduct. Well, Pine County does a ton of bail studies a year. We've never gotten a nickel back. It's kind of like one of those unfunded, you know, mandates. And so, you know, and so it's a good question. Um, The good thing I I would say now is through this effort um, relative to the resolution and this work group done by the Association of Minnesota Counties is, you know, the the view that, that a lot of us have is it's tougher for the legislature to ignore the counties directly the 87 counties that are governed by AMC. And Fawcett said that even goes into um, how he works on staffing. He says there's some positions that they need to fill, but if the state isn't funding what needs to be done, he doesn't feel it's you know responsible for him to ask the county to give him more money since there should be money happening. And now the counties in the state are trying to work on getting some work done because it's easy to ignore one county despite the fact that there's 30,000 people here in Pine County. It's still one county and there's 87 in the state of Minnesota. So the Association of Minnesota Counties got together. They put together a work group. And last year, uh, Pine County Commissioner Matt Ludwig sat in on that work group uh, set up by AMC, the Association of Minnesota Counties, to look into a better way at calculating the funding formula across all three of those sections. And... With that, they wanted a letter of support to send that then to the state to ask the legislature to pass something that that makes it better to better fund things at the county level. Because as Terry said, it's harder to ignore 87 counties than it is with just one. And as always, we'll keep you up to date. And we'll keep you up to date as that story progresses as well. Um, Moving over here, there is a spaghetti dinner tomorrow night at the Hinkley Finlayson Cafeteria to uh, raise some money for a student, a freshman at Hinkley Finlayson High School that is in the ICU at Children's Hospital following a cardiac event last weekend. I don't have the full information on what took place there, but the dinner will run on January 21st from 5 to 7 p.m. at the Hinkley Finlayson High School Cafeteria. There will also be a free will donation, silent auction, and bake sale. Donations can also be brought into the Hinkley Finlayson High School office uh, and they will kind of direct that to the family in need. I'm going to take a quick break. I'll be right back in just a few minutes where we'll be talking about fire contracts in uh, Pine City as well as we'll be talking about East Central Energy and their broadband project. 
And we're back. My name is Joe Keyport, the news director for WCMP and KBEK for the new inaugural Untitled News Show that'll be going on every Friday from 3 to 5 p.m. Last segment, we talked about Pine County Probation as well as a fundraiser. Right now, we're going to talk about the proposed fire contracts that the Pine City Council approved during a special meeting last week. So for those of you who aren't aware, uh, trying to figure out where the city and the townships lie that are serviced by the fire department has been a long discussion for at least the last year or so. Some of the uh, townships involved have felt that they aren't an equal partner despite paying a lot of money for service from the fire department. And so they've been working to either form a fire district that would include the Pine City Fire Department or something all new themselves that they would have more say in. And we're not going to really dig into the fire district right now. That'll be something we'll be talking about in future episodes as they kind of move forward. They had a fire district meeting Wednesday night that I was at, and they're still kind of forming committees and starting to really put some hard numbers together. However, the city council did present nine-year long-term fire contracts to the townships that are serviced by the fire department as a way to try and show them some better stability and maybe a little more transparency as how things will increase and how some of their money will use and give them, say, maybe uh, we don't want this piece of equipment or maybe X, Y, and Z. Um, So these, again, like I said, nine year contracts would run from 2024 to 2032. Uh, During that meeting, council member Kyle Palmer did voice concerns over townships leaving mid-contract and would like to strengthen some of that language up. And that idea is very valid, as uh, Chief Tom Miller says, the three the three big townships that are almost exclusively serviced by Pine City uh, make up a large list of the runs. And so these contracts were approved by the city council during a special meeting. It was proposed to uh, the townships during a fire committee meeting on Wednesday night before the fire district meeting. Uh, everyone involved seem to at least like what they heard compared to previous years. And so what is left for them to do now is to kind of make a decision by the end of March during uh, the township's big kind of organizational and uh, budget setting session. One of the other big stories from this week as well comes from East Central Energy. And if you haven't been really paying attention here on WCMP or KBEK, uh, last year, East Central Energy announced that they will be hopping in to the broadband game and they'll start building out their whole section. And then that included last month when they were announced as one of a number of recipients to be awarded millions of dollars in the Border to Border Broadband Grant administered by Minnesota Deed. And so a lot of people obviously were concerned about, well, when does this mean they will be getting internet? Because as we all learned, Minnesota and the rural counties here in Minnesota, really bad access to internet as we learned over the last, you know, three years. Well, work will begin on this project in April. Uh, Justin Johns, during a recent conversation with Rock and Robin Riley, the morning shows for KBEK, uh, said they will be starting around the Cambridge area in April, and they will be building out from there, going up into Kennebec in Pine Counties. And while they're starting to build it, well, when does that mean you're going to get internet? And Justin said that would probably be almost immediately as soon as they get the infrastructure kind of built out in your area and you can start receiving it, they'll light the candle and a allow you to have access to it. And so 
residents and members of ECE could be seeing broadband high-speed internet as early as June as they continue to build out as well. Uh, John said during that interview, a website will also be launched in February for people to kind of express interest in receiving broadband for ECE to kind of give them an idea of maybe where they should start sooner. Um, So if you're interested, you can head over to the Q Media On Demand podcast and listen to that full interview. You can find it on our website under the community tab, either wcmpradio.com or kbek.com or you can look it up on anywhere you get your podcast whether that's spotify apple um, or uh, any of the other more specific podcasting apps if you're a nerd like i am so it's kind of interesting and really fascinating to see the uh, technology that's being built out here in east central minnesota because they move fast they went from uh, a lot of the local counties joining into this Blandon Foundation broadband focus and work group in 2020, and it turned into we're going to be starting the ball rolling and things are moving here in East Central Minnesota. Uh, you can head over to WCMPRadio.com or KBEK.com, and if you do some searching, you'll be able to find as well some articles written about the process over the last few uh, months. Coming up in a few minutes, we'll have my conversation with State Senator Jason Rarick as we'll be talking about what's going on in the 2023 legislative session. Joe Keyport, News Director for Q Media Group here at WCMP and KBEK. I'm joined by Senator Jason Rarick. Good morning, Senator Rarick. How's it going? Good morning. It's going good so far. Thanks for uh, reaching out. Of course. It's good to hear. So the new legislative session has been in session for a few weeks here. So what's been going on with you and what what have you been working for? Yeah, so we've been in for two weeks. Um, Been a fast start. I've been working on a new area. Um, I am now the lead for the Republicans in the Senate on the Education Finance Committee. Uh, So I've been meeting with a couple of our uh, superintendents already and um, then also heavily involved with the the Higher Ed Committee and interviewing uh, regent candidates for the University of Minnesota. So it's been been very busy uh, two weeks already. Sounds like it, yeah. And for those who aren't aware of what a regent does at you know the higher education level, what what does that role fill? Yeah, so there are twelve uh, regents at the University of Minnesota that oversee um, the entire operation. So they kind of are the our eyes and ears, and to keep the, the president and the administration on track with what the the people want. So that's that's the regent's role. Okay. And so through kind of your work with the, you know, the the education finance and this, kind of what have you been hearing people want, especially, I don't know if you've been talking to any of the superintendents here in uh, your region, or if it's been more kind of people talking to you at the Capitol, but kind of what are the concerns and what are the things you'll be looking at as you move through this year? Yeah, well, you know, I think the biggest thing just general across the board is, you know, we've got the nearly an $18 billion surplus. So people are looking at how can we best use that money to um, improve things for Minnesota, whether it's uh, increasing uh, some funding, which I know we'll be doing in education, and, you know, some tax cuts hopefully as well. And so as we've begun those discussions, especially in the um, education realm, you know, I think our schools, there are a couple of things we can do to really help them out um, there's a special education cross-subsidy. Um, it's a federal mandate, and the federal government has never followed through with uh, funding it to the level that uh, they promised. And so I do believe it's time for the state to, to step up and, and pick up that portion. It would really free up uh, a lot of general fund dollars for our schools. And then, you know, there's some things around 
option that our school, especially with gas prices the way they've been, um, and just some general formula funding. Um, there's there's a lot of things, but there's a lot of reform that we could be looking at as well. So a lot of discussions that are going to happen in these first couple of months. Yeah, absolutely. And so uh, outside of kind of the, the, the committees and some of the, the boards you're sitting on now, what are your kind of, what are the, the goals you've set for yourself moving into not only your new term as senator as well as or your return, you know, term as senator, but also kind of this legislative session here that uh, you've been you've been focusing on? Yeah, you know, a couple of things um, in the district up in Carleton County. Um, they've got a road project, Highway 73, that is in major need of uh, repairs. And then they're also doing uh, a county and, uh, jail uh, and coupling with that kind of a regional piece uh, for women. And so we're looking to try to get some funding uh, to help out with that. And then in Pine County, um, kind of the big one is uh, Pine Technical and Community College is looking to do an expansion. You know, they're doing great work there. And so we're hoping to help them build on, get a welding lab, uh, some things like that. Uh, so those are probably, two for the district anyway, two, uh, some of the biggest priorities. And then, like I said, in general, as we look at how we're going to use the surplus, just trying to make sure we're using it in a way that uh, is best suited for Minnesota. We're not wasting money. Uh, we hear of a bunch of fraud that has happened uh, through a lot of the federal money just because they rushed it. And um, I want to try to avoid that. You know, mm-hmm. I think people don't mind paying taxes if they know it's going to good use. And so that's what I'm going to try to focus on to make sure we're using it wisely so people feel good about um, how we're using their tax dollars. Excellent. And uh, is there anything else, Senator, that you wanted to talk about here today? Um, You know, right now things have really just started getting going. But, Mm -hmm. yeah, I will definitely, uh, I'm sure next time we talk, there will be some individual bills that have uh, come forward that we can talk about and even some general ideas on um, how that we're going to start spending that surplus. So um, definitely have more information, uh, I'm sure, next time. Absolutely. Senator, thank you so much for taking some time to chat with me, and we'll uh, talk to you next month. That was Senator Jason Rarick talking about the first few weeks of the legislative session. We've got my conversation with Chris Moulton of the Snake River Valley Conservation Club coming up next. Good afternoon, Joe Keyport for the Untitled News Show here on WCMP and KBEK. I hope your Friday is going well. I'm talking to a member of the Snake River Valley Conservation Club. Chris, how's it going? Good, and yourself? Pretty good. So first, can you just introduce yourself and what you do with the Conservation Club? Yeah, I'm uh, Chris Moulton. I'm the secretary of the Conservation Club. Uh, We've been around for about uh, 82 years, and Mm -hmm. uh, we... um, we do some projects to help the local conservation uh, with managing the local WMA right here at the radio station. Uh, we uh, put up wood duck uh, houses and maintain the area. We maintain the sign this year, mm-hmm. gave that an update. Um, we do all sorts of other uh, kind of <clears throat> building and community projects. Uh, we did a big uh, birding platform out at the uh, at the. Uh, sewage ponds in Pine City, mm-hmm. and that's been well received yeah. uh, by the birding community of Minnesota. Yeah. Um, Are you a yeah. big birder yourself? Or I am. I kind of okay. I kind of spearheaded that. <laughs> um, joined the club yeah. and, and kind of spearheaded that and put that in. And uh, but it's fun to see uh, everything else the club does too. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And so how did you get involved with the conservation club and, and get your start with that? Um, I always knew it had been around. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been hunting, fishing my whole life, and uh, and the club is is uh, very centric to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, they also do a lot of gun safety mm-hmm. uh, sponsorship, and then we have quite a few of our members are the the gun safety instructors. So it was, uh, for me personally, it was a, a nice melding of my interest into mm-hmm. uh, helping our community. And with the you, you talk about like the conservation works you do with the WMAs and some of the other projects, kind of how does that translate to the every kind of day thing that. Makes Maybe someone who takes advantage of the resources here in the Pine City area, the Pine, the Snake River area. Kind of what does that kind of how would they see that as well? Because you hear that all the time. You're like, well, we do these conservation efforts. But like, how would you maybe the average person, you know, interact with that kind sure. of project? Yeah. Like if, um, you know, for the uh, the WMA here, mm-hmm. um, my little kids, we need to stop and change diapers sometime. Yeah. Well, we have a sign out there that says, you know, who is sponsoring this area? And then, you know, we're doing conservation work to have birds there. So you might might see some birds mm-hmm. you might see muskrats or other yeah. other critters there so uh, know that that our work there is kind of helping people enjoy nature along with like the birding platform that's um you know a good 400 yard hike from mm-hmm. from the parking lot and it's part of a larger um, um parkish area for, for pine city so uh you know folks that are back there will see that and kind of step oh yeah there's a lot of mm-hmm. birds out here and uh, and other critters also Gotcha. So what else does the uh, the Snake River Valley Conservation Club do that you want to talk about here today? Yeah, we um, one of the things we do is we give a scholarship every year to uh, mm-hmm. to local uh, local student that's going on to higher education for, um, you know, usually has to be in like biology or out, mm-hmm. outdoor field of, of some sort. So we, we um, uh, get applications and vote on that. Uh, we do some gun raffles and other fundraisers like the Fishing Derby we'll talk about in a little bit here uh, to uh, to kind Kind of fund these uh, projects that we're doing local. Um, we build and give away bluebird houses, wood duck boxes at the at mm-hmm. the fair at our at our um, clubhouse at yep. the fairgrounds there. Um, yeah, that's that's uh, at least some of what we do. Yeah, and you you already hinted at it already, but coming up next weekend, uh, you'll be doing a fishing derby on Pakegama Lake. Yeah, so this will be the 57th annual uh, derby. Uh, it's going to be uh, out of Lake Appeal there on kind of the west-southwest side. Uh, this year with the ice conditions, mm-hmm. it's going to be real interesting with uh, with some quality ice and some not-so-good ice. Mm-hmm. And we'll see if we get some more freezing here beforehand. As of right now, uh, I think I only saw like a smart car out the other day <laughs> going by. So um, we may be having people park on shore and uh, walking out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so it's uh, it's one hole per person. There's door prizes of uh, cash door prizes, uh, 300 200 100 75 and $50 cash. And there's prizes for uh, first and second prizes for um, most of the species that you'll catch out there. Um, it's 1 o'clock to 3 o'clock on, on Sunday the, the 29th. And... Uh, um, I think I heard we're going to try to get a food truck or okay. maybe have Lake Appeal uh, do some food. We're not sure yet on mm-hmm. that, but it'll be uh, it's a fun family event. Uh, and um, yeah, it'll be it'll be a good time, uh, we have a, whether it's cold or <laughs> not. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. where can you sign up to do that? Uh, you can show up just the day of, mm-hmm. um, you know, show up, I'd say, a little bit uh, before one and and pay for your hole. It's a do- dollar per hole. Not mm-hmm. a, no, not uh, not too much. And. You know, it's just one of our fundraisers to kind of keep us going and uh, and helping other local projects. Well, absolutely. And again, that's is that one to three on Sunday, the 29th? That is. Wonderful. And Chris, mm-hmm. is there anything else you want to talk about here today? 
No, that. Uh, but we are we are looking for more members. Okay. If anybody's interested in helping out, um, and you know, we meet once a month at uh, at the clubhouse or at the VFW in the winter, and um, we're always looking for new folks to bring fresh ideas and uh, to volunteer mm-hmm. and help out your own community. And who can they contact if they're interested? They we do have a Facebook page. They can reach me through there. Um, that would probably be the the best, mm-hmm. uh, as we don't have. Uh, an, an email or anything set up for the club okay. itself, but that would that would be yeah. best. And that's just search the uh, Snake River Valley Conservation Club on on Facebook. That's correct. Perfect. Well, Chris, I appreciate you taking some time to st- uh, stop on by and chat with me here today. Thank you. I appreciate it. You'll be able to find either this conversation with Chris or my conversation with Senator Rarick over on the Q Media On Demand podcast. Stick around. Coming up next hour, I'll have uh, Eric Van Rainen, the news person extraordinaire for KBK, on to talk about things going on in Kennebec and. Uh, the surrounding counties. Plus, I'll be chatting with Ethan Game Day Gilman about sports going on. It's all right here on the Untitled News Show for Q Media Group's WKBK. Joe Keyboard here for Q Media Group's Untitled News Show here for WCMP and KBEK here kicking off the 4 o'clock hour. I'm joined by reporter and all-around news guy for KBEK, Eric Van Rainen. Good afternoon, Eric. How's it going? Hey, Joe. Just going well. I like Untitled News Show as a title for the news show. I know. That's kind of what we're working on right now. Gives a little bit of an air of mystery. <laughs> exactly. So uh, for people who maybe are just catching up with it and trying to figure out what's going on, uh, this is a recap of what was going on you heard on both WCMP and KBK uh, this week, kind of what happened from last Friday's news all the way to yesterday's news. Um, we record this on Thursdays, so um, you can be oh, so be aware of that. We'll try to give you a little more context when possible and, and, and have a little more of a conversation about the stuff that was going on. This isn't going to be like our opinions or anything. We're not, we're not, we're not a pundits. It's just a little bit more of like a a feature-length take on the news as opposed to the two-and-a-half-minute clips that you hear at the mm. top of every hour uh, on weekdays. Exactly. So, Eric, let's jump right into it. The big story from this week was the bus garage fire over in the city of Bram that happened Tuesday morning. So kind of give us a rundown of what, what went on there. Sure thing. So uh, at 8.52 in the morning on Tuesday, uh, there was a fire reported inside the Bram Bus Company garage. Uh, police officers arrived at the scene. They saw flames coming from the exterior of the building. Uh, Bram Fire Department came and ensured no one was in the building, requested mutual aid from Cambridge and Mora Fire Departments. Uh, the three agencies kind of worked in tandem to get the fire under control, mm-hmm. but not before the damage was done. Yeah. Uh, a- according to Bram Area School Superintendent Ken Gagner, uh, the garage was a total loss, and three uh, school buses were also lost inside the, the garage. And it looks like they'll be parking those buses uh, on the school property as of right now because, again, they have no place to put it. And like the superintendent said, that uh, transportation services were mm-hmm. not interrupted. Uh, I think they're probably going to be getting some help from local other area services mm-hmm. as well. He said that uh, there might be modifications to the vehicles being used to transport yeah. kids to school, which understandable losing three buses is not something that is easy to deal with. I, I can imagine. And I, and I can imagine most schools in the area don't have a large supply of vehicles that they can just leave sitting around. So, um, but that was a big one. That was, I was on scene pretty quickly on They had I didn't see any visible fire when I got there, but it was still, they were working hard to keep it put out and uh, you mix diesel fuel tires and a building that was kind of falling apart as firefighters were making sure it wouldn't spread to any of the surrounding buildings there and kind of uh, 
the uh, I think it's the the southern part of Bram. If I'm thinking the right direction, probably not. But that that side of town. Um, so it was it was a so it looked like a good operation by all involved. Absolutely, and you can tell in some of the pictures that you took. There's mm-hmm. one up with the the story on the Quebec website. Uh, you can just see that with the firefighters battling the flames, that the building is just mm-hmm. in in very rough shape to the point where it's just not stable. Exactly. So moving on from the fire on Tuesday, what else was happening in KBK land? Well, at the same time that you went to go cover the fire, I was listening in on the Canepa County Board meeting, okay. uh, which is uh, every couple Tuesdays. And they were discussing writing a letter of approval uh, or support, rather, for a four-lane highway feasibility study for uh, Highway 23 mm-hmm. from Mora to Foley. Wow. And Highway 23 is one of those big roads that outside of probably Highway 70 and uh, uh, Highway 65 kind of travels, takes people across central Minnesota. Oh, absolutely. It's one that I take to visit friends in Malacca and Mm -hmm. Foley pretty much every week. It's hard to imagine it's a four-lane highway. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think there'd be a lot of work that has to be done. There's some sources that are very narrow. Mm. And uh, and so they they approved that. Uh, do they have like a timeline for what when you might hear more information on that, or is it just kind of we're we're working towards it? They don't yet. The Highway Twenty Three Coalition has been garnering letters of support mm. from uh, local councils. I listened to the Malacca City Council mm-hmm. uh, discuss it as well. That they sent a letter of support. So I think it is a project that will gain traction. Uh, yeah. we'll see what the feasibility study says in terms of is this a project that will work for the area, how much will it cost? I think will be a big question to answer. Yeah. But And that was something that actually transferred over, speaking of soliciting um, letters of support. Pine, the Pine County Board, you'll hear about it next week as I talk about it in the news, but I'll give you a little sneak preview. The Pine County Board was also one that signed a letter of support, and they were hoping to maybe continue that four lane all the way to Hinkley. So you might see a bigger highway system across here from, you know, all the way over to, I don't know where Foley technically lies, county-wise, uh, but f- through Canabic County and into Pine County as well. Uh, Benton County is Foley's county. Well, wonderful. You, you got, you're the geography. I failed geography almost at least once. Uh, but we'll be right back, and we'll talk to Eric some more about what was going on over in KBK. Joe Keyport, news director for Q Media Group here in East Central Minnesota. We're back with Eric Van Rainen, reporter, news person extraordinaire for uh, KBEK. And we're talking about the big story that came out of Mille Lacs County. So kind of an interesting case that happened. Uh, what started as a deputy going to serve civil mm-hmm. paperwork at a local residence uh, ended up with one of the people in the residence pointing a gun with a laser sight at the deputy. Uh, became a huge police scene. Uh, a lot of people were uh, were apprehended trying to leave the residence. Mm. Uh, the person with the gun was negotiated with and came out willingly. Okay. Uh, four people were arrested in that case. Uh, eight people were detained. Uh, four were just interviewed. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got their identities and were okay to leave. Mm-hmm. But it's an absolutely strange kind of... Yeah, do escalation you, of events. Yeah, do you know why all those people were gathered there? Was it just like a, a, a party or? Well, according to uh, Sheriff Kyle Burton, it was a social gathering. Mm-hmm. And now we have a situation to deal with. What was just going to be a simple civil process service has now turned into a criminal matter. So we call in additional resources. Our other law enforcement partners were awesome and showed up to help us. So thank you to Isandia County, Sherburn County, Prince and Police for coming to help us. So it was a social gathering. And so uh, what happened after after that? Well, the, the deputy came to the door. It was trying to get the attention. He knocked. Uh, mm-hmm. No one answered. Tried to get the attention through the window. Flashed, uh, flashed his badge to say, hey, I'm a deputy. I'm just here to serve paperwork. That's when he saw the laser sight on his chest. Hmm. 
So just kind of strange that uh, it wasn't clear what kind of paperwork he was trying to serve, mm. uh, but it, it was very apparent that the person in the residence who was being served by the paperwork was not interested in being served. Not, not in slaves. You don't want to get a gun pointed at you no matter who you are. And the, the man who was booked for mm. having the firearm was booked on second-degree assault charges. Okay. Uh, something that Sheriff Kyle Barton said in the video update after the incident was that the only smart thing he did that night was coming out of the house willingly. Mm. Well, cool. So that got all wrapped up. You can read about that story over on KBK.com as Eric's got a bunch of great information over there. And I think the big thing and the most exciting thing is you've all, we've kind of joked around here in the newsroom is uh, the Dollar General in Mora is opening or is open. Well, the new Dollar General. The new Mora, Dollar General. Mora, yeah. already has a couple of Dollar Generals, but the one located at 140 Little Ranches Road in Mora opened on Thursday, according to Dollar General's uh, Corporate Public Relations Department. I trade emails mm-hmm. with them because it's been something that has been in question for a while, especially on the What's Happening in Canaba County Facebook group. Yeah. Uh, people have been speculating when's it going to open, will it be a Dollar General market, mm-hmm. uh, what kind of food and produce will be offered i can say that it is not a dollar general market it's just a dollar general how many dollar generals are in more do you know off the top of your head it's four or five this wow. i think this is the fifth what has been some of the um community response you kind of talked about how you were kind of keeping an eye on social media at least for reactions some people are excited to have mm-hmm. uh, another option available for shopping some people are frustrated that it is another dollar general and would hope for other options in the future Mm-hmm. Uh, this one is open seven days a week, uh, 8 a.m. until 10 p.m. I'm not sure what the hours for the other ones look like, but mm-hmm. I think having something open seven days a week is always a good thing to have. Oh, totally. Exactly. Well, and it's always, you know, it's social media. People are going to have a myriad of opinions. You The, the opinions really range the, the entire spectrum of, of human consciousness. Exactly. So. <laughs> exactly. Well, Eric, I appreciate you taking some time to chat with me here today, and we'll have you back next Friday to talk about what's what happened next week here and uh, KBK. Sounds good. Thanks for having me, Joe. Welcome back here, Joe Keyport, News Director for Q Media Group for Key and KBEK, as I am welcoming in Ethan Game Day Gilman. Good afternoon, Ethan. How's it going? Ah, it's not too bad. How about you? Doing pretty well. Welcome to the new show here on the Q Media Group stations in East, East Central Minnesota. We'll be really kind of taking this time to kind of dive into the high school sports here going on in the region, give you a chance to kind of more talk at length about some of the stuff going on and kind of give a, a more behind-the-scenes look, similar to what we did for the uh, you know the Pine City Dragons homecoming football mm-hmm. game yeah. uh, in September of last year. So um, welcome, and uh, what are we going to be talking about this week? Uh, well, we're going to be talking about a little bit about the Pine City boys uh, basketball team. Uh, they're doing pretty well here. It's, 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 it's been an up-and-down season for them, okay. but I think that's kind of what they looked for. They've got some very tough uh, teams on their schedule. Of course, the section that they're in is also a tough one as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, they play in Section 6 AA, it's called. And they've got, I mean, this section, when you look at it from a whole, anyone from 1 through 16, there's 16 teams in the section, anyone from 1 through 16 could be ranked anywhere. It, it's just, mm. it's funny. I think it was last year, the year before, uh, Pine City was either a 20-win or they were close to 20-win team. And they... They were ranked in like eighth 
and and I think they had a one home game, and that was it. Then they had to go on the road. So it's just it just goes to show you how strong this section is. And right now at the top, not too surprising. It's Albany at the top, and then you got St. Cloud Cathedral, Sox Center, Mora right there too. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about them on sh- uh, more shows as well. But Pine City, they're ranked 11th right now in this section. Uh, they're five and six on the year. Now that might surprise some people. Uh, might say, oh, well, they're having a down year. And I and I, if you are just looking on the record. I would agree with that as well, but really when you dive into their schedule, I start to see, oh, there are some really tough opponents on here. Like the conference right now for Pine City is probably between East Central, Rush City, and Pine City for the three top spots, and it could come down to the last couple games on the season to decide who takes it. It's been Pine City now for, oh gosh, five, six years, seven years mm-hmm. maybe. It's been a while yeah. since anyone has been able to top them. But then they came back home on Tuesday to play Mille Lacs. Uh, Mille Lacs having a, having a tough season this year. They mm-hmm. are also in a, a very tough conference with all these teams. Uh, all of them are local teams that yeah. we have. Uh, but Pine City, I think some of those, sometimes those games, you as a team, you can overlook. Mm-hmm. But I don't think Pine City did in that one. The way they, they started, they, I mean, it was a fast start. I think they scored, what was it, 14 or 16 points in the first two to three minutes. And yeah. when you look at a basketball game, you go, oh, well, that, that seems pretty normal. Mm-hmm. Um, but as soon as you start to watch some games, it's like, oh, oh, wow, 16 points in the first couple minutes. That's mm-hmm. that's a lot of points. Yeah. And, and it really is. And I had a chance to talk with uh, Lamont Sidney after that game. He was our uh, A&W player of the game for that game. And he kind of just talked about what, what he does on defense because he is a physical player. Uh, just play aggressive. Coach Allen always says play hard. You can't teach that. So he'd rather have you play hard, get fouls, and, you know, not give your all your effort. And uh, so it, it was great to talk to him because he's really improved on his game as well. I think two years ago I saw him for the first time play a little bit, and then last year he got rotated in a lot more. And you could see that it was there. He wanted to be out there on defense. His offense needed a bit more refining, and he's really done it this year. Probably one of the quickest guys out on the court for this Pine City team, but he really uh, has uh, rounded himself very well on both sides mm-hmm. of the court now for this Pine City team. And I think that's a huge asset they have. Another defensive presence they have is Isaiah Haas. Um, I've talked to him before, and those two are probably the biggest defensive, not size-wise, but mm-hmm. well, they might be, but <laughs> but uh, they just they love to throw their bodies mm-hmm. around. They love to go out there. They love to play hard. They, they I mean, there's no give in their game. Mm-hmm. They It's 110% each up and down the court. You may not see the points-wise mm-hmm. kind of lean in their favor all the time, but defensively, when when we're talking about a game that goes and they need defense, those are the two guys you're going to see step up big time. So uh, and after the game, I was also able to talk with uh, their head coach, Kyle Allen, and, and I just kind of talked to him about that new identity that they're creating this season. Yeah, I if there was ever a year where you wanted to do like a – like a behind-the-scenes TV special, this might have been the year. Um, we've we've seen some weird adversities. We've seen some some just some weird things that that we haven't really faced. And I, you know, kind of thought we'd seen it all after the COVID years. And and uh, you know, it just it is what it is. But um, the resilience of these guys, the good nature of them. I mean, I think just that senior group is just so easy going and and happy and go lucky. And that that makes life pretty easy when you can when you can have guys that have a positive attitude um, and their willingness to, to continue to learn. 
Um, you know, we <laughs> can't divulge everything that happens behind closed doors, but, <laughs> but these guys, uh, you know, they continue to work. They continue to grind. And, and, again, the hope is that we're playing our best basketball at the end of the year. The hope is that we're, we're, we're able to compete here for a conference title. Um, we're able to um, position ourselves for, for the playoffs, and, uh, and hopefully, hopefully we're playing our best basketball here at the end so we can, we can see um, how we really stack up. So, yeah, a great conversation with him. I love being able to talk with him after games. And uh, yeah, I, I think that he what he mentioned was if there was a chance to get like a HBO special for him mm-hmm. behind the scenes, look, this really would be the year because it's unlike any year that they've had yeah. uh, in recent years. It's it's new. They had they didn't have that big senior group come up who has been playing since sophomores and starting. Mm-hmm. It's kind of five new guys. And, mm-hmm. and you'll hear me kind of repeat that if you listen to any of our interviews, five new guys. What's the, what's it like to get these guys to mesh? And I kind of, I kind of am beating a dead horse when I talk about it, but it is something to talk about, especially for this group because it's, it's basically all new to them. Again, that was Ethan Game Day Gilman on the Untitled News Show here for Q Media Group stations WCMP and KBEK. They played last night in Hinkley Finlayson, and they will be playing tonight uh, at the Target Center against Maple Lake. So next week we will have Ethan back in to chat about how that goes. You can listen to that game. It starts at 7 over on 106.5 or AM 1350, as well as you can watch it on uh, YouTube as well. Head over to WCMPRadio.com to find a link for that one under the sports section. We'll be back with your community calendar in just a few minutes. Just a few minutes left here on the Q Media Group Untitled News Show for WCMP and KBEK. We haven't named it yet. You might get one in the future. It's kind of a mouthful to say. My name is Joe Keyport, News Director here for Q Media Group in East Central Minnesota. Every Wednesday morning, you can hear the community calendar uh, with Jada Osterdyke, our wonderful office manager here. And we will be playing that here again uh we got just a few minutes left in the Untitled News Show for WCMP and KBEK. As always, I'm Joe Keyport, News Director here from Q Media Group. Every Wednesday morning, you have the community calendar that you can hear on any of our stations, whether that's WCMP or KBEK. And if you missed it there in the 9 o'clock hour, you can always listen to it right now on the new Untitled News Show. So, Jada, what's going on? We have a few things going on um, here in the upcoming weeks. Saturday, January 21st, we have the Winter Frolic at the Snake River Fur Post from noon until 4, where you can learn about winter travel during the fur trade and join in on outside activities. Um, A Place for You will be hosting their first Ugly Wallet Bingo and Raffle at the Pine City American Legion. Game starts at 2.30 p.m. We have Painting with Peg at Pine Center for the Arts at 10 a.m. Cost for that is $30. Monday, January 23rd, we have Kennebec County Imagine Network will be hosting a handmade candle and catered meal event at the Mora Public Library starting at 5.30 p.m. January 28th, we have Cambridge Winter Festival um, from 2 to 6 p.m., Sunday, January 29th, we have the French Toast Breakfast, sponsored by the Sons of the American Legion in Pine City from 8 until 11.30 a.m. We also have Snake River Valley Conservation Club Fishing Derby from 1 to 3 p.m. And Saturday, February 4th, it's the 68th Annual Knife Lake Sportsman Club Ice Fishing Contest starting at noon. That's your community calendar. You can always catch it Wednesday mornings here on either station. And that's it. The Untitled News Show here for WCMP and KBEK. My name's Joe Keyport. You can join us here on out every Friday from 3 to 5 p.m. as we'll be talking about your sports 
and your news that happened from the week before. Kind of a give you a great way to kind of just get caught up and kind of keep an understanding of what's happening here in your local community. If you got some news going on that you want to be featured, you can always reach out to either Eric or myself, kbknews at gmail.com or wcmpnews at gmail.com. Ethan will be out and about covering sports. You can always catch those. Make sure to hit up our websites as well as we have news stories and sports going up every day. That's kbk.com and wcmpradio.com as well. Plus, we have our on-demand podcast that's going on that's on either website. You got your interviews from Robin in the morning. You got your interviews that Joshua Miron does on the WCMP morning show. There's a lot going on, and we want to make sure you have the opportunity to hear it and kind of learn about your community. So I hope you have a great weekend. We got your revving up the weekend coming up in just a few minutes. I'm Joe Keyport for the Untitled News Show.